This is the homebrew. Yeah, no, that was good. <laughs> it's been too long, Nick. Yeah. Boo. This is the Homebrew Game Club, a podcast about modern, brand new aftermarket video games for retro consoles. On this podcast, we pick one game a month to play and talk about. Today's game is Space Raft for the Nintendo Entertainment System. My name is Nick, also known as Divertov, and joining me today is me, Bart, also known as Clever Username Needed. Just Bart today. We have no Connor. Connor is Connor is busy. Connor's really busy. Whew, if this uh, episode sounds a little different or if we're a little more hyped, it's because we're actually recording it in the morning, and I've had three cups of coffee. Woo! Yeah. Woo! All right. Yeah. We are worked up. I've uh, I've had a a big glass of water here, so you sound like me at night when you guys are drinking beer. I'm like, oh, I got water. I have water. <laughs> um. Okay. Before we get started, I'd like to remind everyone that on this podcast, we believe in honest opinions, but we also understand that many of these games are not made by professionals. They are labors of love. Also, as a note to our listeners, we are not game developers ourselves. We are just fans. So please keep that in mind as we offer up any criticisms of these games. Okay. Uh, so it's been a while, Bart, since we yeah. have recorded a, uh, a full episode of the, the Game Club. I don't know about you, man, but like this is the busiest time of year for me. Like April through like the beginning of June, I have like like five family birthdays that we got like Mother's Day, like schools out, like all this crap. I swear to God, I'm like busier right now than I am over Christmas. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And I'm also uh, working a lot this time of year, too. And it's um, right. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. And we just got back from Milwaukee and and playing space raft and uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. In addition to everything else, I I decided to drop it all and and you know, go to Milwaukee for a video game convention. Yep. So and then I inadvertently turned our discord into a conversation about the 7,800. <laughs> well, a lot of stuff has been going on. You guys took over the fucking discord, man. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> like just, t- I, I swear to God, that was crazy on, I think it was Friday. Yeah. I don't know. I like checked in and, and you know, you, there was a couple of comments about Atari 7,800. That's cool. <laughs> you know, just got one. I was the uh, patient zero for that conversation. But yeah, then I get back on like three hours later and I swear to God, there's like a hundred comments and it's just all this back and forth about 7,800. Yeah. It's just wild. Well, I think what happened was you got yours. I came home. I ordered one. It finally showed up on Friday and I like hooked it up and took a picture and put it up there. This is for those of you that don't know. And then it just kind of sparked this huge conversation and like everybody's like, well, I got to buy one now. I'm going to buy one. I just ordered one. And it like, so then you decided to change our logo from <laughs> yeah the the discord logo now is is just it used to be hbgc but now it just says 7800 so i don't know how long we're going to keep that up but yeah well i don't know if you're out there and listening and you buy yourself a 7800 to join the fun we'll be uh forced to do a 7800 game pretty soon (laughs) i i think it's a it's a matter of time it's a matter of oh yeah oh yeah okay so today we're talking about space raft Space rat. Every time I say that, I want to. I want to like. Um, it's like space ghost. Yep. You know, I wanted to have reverb. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on. You let me try. Probably like, do that. On. Space raft. Oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Here, let me try it. Let me try it. Space raft. Yeah, that was good. I was a theater major in uh, in college for a year. That's how I learned how to do that with my voice. So, mm-hmm. hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Space Raft. 
Oh, that was the best one yet. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Space Raft, made by Jordan Davis. Raft or not. So who is Jordan Davis? So Jordan Davis is the front man for Space Raft, a band from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Pretty good band, I think. Yeah. They've been around for, I, I think, a long time. they got a lot of albums out. But he got interested in, in um, NES development for the music. And he started out with this game, and he's moved on to music and graphics for other games and, and different projects. Uh, he's working on one right now with Nathan Tolbert. That we got to play Project Sword. That looks really cool. Yeah, Space Raft, it had a successful Kickstarter in August of uh, 2020. It raised $14,000, $14,400, which is pretty good. And I, I was a backer. I was actually a digital backer. And it's funny because I I didn't get the, the complete in box until later because I started listening to the album that the music in this game is based off of. So it's the it is a live album and he he adapted the album into 8-bit, you know, NES for the game. And I just got curious and so I started I started listening to the original album and I liked it so much. I got like super into it and I I like I ordered it on vinyl and shit and and by that point I'm like, well, I need to get, you know, a complete copy of the game. So I got I went on to uh, the website and I got like a complete box copy and so I've yeah I've uh, I've been a fan of this one for a while. Uh, you can get it right now. You can get it off of Dusty Medical Records, their website. You can get the game on. Um, you can get the ROM on itch.io. Pretty soon you can get it on Switch. It's going to be on a ten and one cart from Premium Edition Games, which was announced at Midwest Gaming Classic. I also think it's getting a standalone release in the Nintendo eShop. I believe that is so awesome. Yeah, but uh, I would say the easiest way to play it right now, you can get the the digital ROM uh, at itch.io for 10 bucks. So, yeah, before we get into the game, I do just want to say this is the first Nestmaker game that we have ever covered. So I have a couple of things to say about Nestmaker. This is not the episode. I, I kind of think that like we should do like a standalone episode about Nestmaker. It's, it is such a weird kind of topic. As an outsider, it's weird as an outsider, but I, I, I would like to hear like Connor's take on this. So I'd like to have him on the episode when we really get into it. But yeah, what I've been Mike, intrigued by it. I, I want to actually like download it and start playing around with it just for the hell of it. Yeah. I, it, so it's a development, I guess, suite. I would say it's kind of like GB Studio. So it's got, it has some kind of like template assets and, you know, basic code for if you want to say you want to make a platformer, you know, it, it'll get you off the ground with uh, NES development. On, on different genres of games. It, it is kind of weirdly controversial, though. So it seems like a lot of people who have been in the NES development community for a while are, um, I would say, at, at best, kind of like lukewarm on, on the topic of Nestmaker and, and in some cases, like outright kind of hostile, which is an interesting kind of dynamic. Uh, <laughs> but it's... Yeah, I, I don't know why there's this hostility from from the kind of old guard. You know, I don't know if it's just this sense of kind of like protecting this community that that kind of grew up organically over the years. And now you've got this kind of outsider coming in with these development ideas. And But, you know, I, I think a big part of it is that GB Studio, for example, is open source, whereas this is a closed source kind of thing. It's It's actually owned by a company. The code is called uh, The New 8-Bit Heroes. And it, my impression is that some people really don't like Joe Granato, who is one of the founders. Other people just say it has too many bugs. And it, it, from what I understand, it does have some bugs. I have actually seen that. 
I've played several Nestmaker games at this point, and I will say quite a few of them do seem to have minor bugs, like in similar places. So I assume it, it's like part of the underlying source code. So that I have I have come across that. That's the fear is that you might have a bunch of mediocre games with bugs kind of dominating the NES homebrew scene. So, you know, I don't I don't want to get too into this on this podcast. What I'd like to do, I maybe talk to some different people and, and maybe do a standalone episode, as I said. But, you know, my my take is as an outsider, it's it seems that it is unquestionably brought in some new voices into NES development because I, I think it's lowered the the barrier to entry especially for people who may not have a programming background. And I think Jordan Davis is a great example of this, this game that we're going to talk about today, Space Raft. Yeah, I feel like it's it's almost like the equivalent of iMovie to Final Cut or Resolve, speaking as an editor. You know, it's something that you could dip your toes into, and it's fairly, fairly simple to use uh, that just kind of gets you familiar with the concepts. I don't think you're going to use it forever. At least you shouldn't be using it forever. But Maybe, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of, of it as a beginner tool. Although I'll say I don't know if that that uh, comparison is exactly apt because when I when I hear people talk about NES development, it actually sounds more like shooting on like film and cutting it with a razor blade and taping it together with a piece of tape. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> like versus wow, something like GB Studio, which I mean, I opened up GB Studio when we did the Dead AS episode, and I mean, like I was like, oh, I can make a game on this. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I I, 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 this is extremely intuitive. I, one of the criticisms of, of Nestmaker is that it, it is not very intuitive. Like the user inter- interface is, is very daunting. But really? Yeah, I did not get that from GB Studio. But, um, you know, and I will say, as, as I said, some of the complaints about bugs are legit. Okay. But yeah, I've, I mean, you know, it's homebrew games. I've seen bugs in other homebrew games that weren't Nestmaker. And as far as uh, the idea that, that the scene's going to get flooded with mediocre games, I mean, like, of course, that's going to happen anytime you bring in. If you lower the barrier to entry, you're going to get a lot more people making games, you know? And so, yeah, you're going to have more mediocre games. You're hopefully, though, going to have more great games that emerge from it. A lot of these are first-time projects. These are brand-new developers. That's why they started with Nestmaker. And they're going to make games that, you know, are buggy and they're, they're you know, they're not the most innovative things that you've ever seen. But I mean, that's that's just the scene. You know, when I looked at the, I, I've talked about this before many times on this podcast. When I looked at the NES homebrew scene years ago, it was it was really basic stuff. And it wasn't, it was like, you know, tic-tac-toe or, or like, a, oh, look, I put Sudoku on NES. I mean, that's cool. But, you know, I'm not that into it. I don't want to pay like 60 bucks for a cartridge of it or something. I, I, I think it's cool that there are people who do, but that, that wasn't, that didn't appeal to me. Okay. So, I mean, there's always been, there's always been, this is the scene. This is the way it works. You know, when people are, are getting their chops creatively. Yeah. Anytime you lower the barrier, barrier to entry, there's going to be white noise that you have to filter out to find the gems. And that's just the sure. way it is, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do think that you've got some gems that have come out of it. I think this game is one of them. I think that uh, Doodle World is another one. You've got oh, yeah. Kubo 3, which Dale Coop, uh, you know, is a fan of our, our podcast, and he's worked on a lot of these games. In fact, he did some programming on Space Raft. Uh, Flea. Flea and Dape- Tapeworm Disco Puzzle. I mean, you know, they, those are those are as good as any, like, licensed NES game. Like, Flea and Tapeworm Disco Puzzle are, are excellent homebrew games. As an outsider, like, I have no idea how, how those games have been made. Like, if I didn't know what Nestmaker was, I wouldn't be able to tell what was made on a Nestmaker and what wasn't. You know what I mean? So, anyway, 
I, I do think I have played a couple of Nest Maker games that if I if I see them on Kickstarter, you know, I like I play the game and it's like it's it's buggy and it's unfinished and it doesn't work quite right. And then I see like, OK, they're on Kickstarter and they're selling like one hundred and fifty dollar, you know, gold cart limited edition. I mean, like that does kind of rub me the wrong way because it's like if you're not even going to finish your game, like, yeah, are you more interested in like the marketing materials or are you more interested in making the game? But I mean, you know, it's it, that's going to happen with any homebrew. I mean, it's it, just because it was made on Nestmaker. If it's you shouldn't sell your game for 150 bucks if it's buggy. I just don't think so. Anyway, okay. So that's my bit about Nestmaker. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything else about that. So I hope I didn't piss anybody off. So let's talk about Space Raft. So d- let's describe this game for somebody who's never played it before. Uh, h- how would you kind of put it, Bart? It honestly does feel a little arcadey, and I hate to say that because there is an actual arcade version of it. Because it's, um, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. There's like three different, three different kinds, I think, uh, or I don't know what. What would you? How would you put it? Like three different parts to the game, maybe. Like the first yeah, part right. is like a racing game, maybe because you're in the van and you're driving and you're shooting, but you're shooting, so it doesn't feel like racing, right? Um, well, so it's more like a it's it feels like a racing game, but it's it's actually I think structured more like a shoot 'em up. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's three different sort of genres of game genres. that are kind of contained. Yeah, in the in in the single game here, and I've noticed that with a few Nest Maker games. I know Kubo Three does that as well. It goes from overworld, the kind of Zelda overworld adventure game, to like a platformer. I think that that's definitely a play here. So yeah, you've got your your racing part, which is like a shoot 'em up. And then you you're talking about how this feels like an arcade game. I think that really comes out in the overhead, yeah. where you're 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 like collecting stuff. It'll be like collect every sandwich on the screen, like that is the goal, you know, or whatever is on the ground, the little items that you have to pick up. And meanwhile, you're getting shot at, or you know, you have to evade enemies or work your way through a little maze. Uh, I call them collectathons. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And, and then there is a third genre. It's still the overhead. But you stop having to collect everything, and suddenly it becomes like an adventure. I, I think it is a little reminiscent of Legend of Zelda. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it was it, it just you. They put you into a a giant park, and you have to go find a pair of keys. And honestly, when I was playing this part of the game, it took me over an hour to find these damn keys. Did it really? Holy <laughs> yeah! <shit>. Because there's <laughs> a section, there's a section where you have to beat out like a wall, like the little glass blocks, and I didn't realize, or maybe it was. Oh right. You have to kill both of the enemies in the glass blocks yes. disappear. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Sure. I was did. just going from room to room to room to room to room, trying oh, yeah. to find where they were, and finally, I like I think I've hit every freaking room on this on this part of the game, and then I just went back and just started killing everything, and then all of a sudden, part of the wall disappeared, and it was like just a huge facepalm moment <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, well, and th- that part of the game especially is very confusing because there are lots of um, the adventure parts. I I think they really they're kind of like mazes really is what it's about. So you've got different, you have different rooms that you go into and and they can be the wrong room and, you know, you can go down the wrong path and and loop back around and you didn't, you didn't know where you were going, you know, and then you have to do go through a section again to figure it out. Yeah. Well, it was right after that section was the first time I quit playing the game because I sat down and played it for like two hours. (laughs) And because uh, it's, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but you find the keys and you bring them back to Kevin's basement and he's like, Oh, I lost my keys again. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
And I just immediately go save state and I close my laptop and I walked away oh. from it because I was like, I don't want to have to find another set of keys in another giant park. But then it, it turns out it was just kind of like a joke. Another, still, yeah, right. Woo! <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, this is where I'm stopping right here. And I stopped and then I came back to it like a day later. The, ge- the game does a little bit of that kind of trolling with your expectations. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we talked about Kevin's Basement. We talked about Humboldt Park. So this this game is really a celebration of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like these are actual places in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that that is a very important thing to note about this game. Because, yeah, it, the game was originally made for a small group of people, just basically fans of the band Space Raft, which is you know, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so it has a lot of Milwaukee music clubs and Milwaukee restaurants and a a famous Milwaukee food truck that is unfortunately no longer around. And, yeah. you know, it's uh, the people that you meet are are people in the live music scene in, in, uh, in Milwaukee. So you're going to record stores and things like that. The crazy thing about this is I, I played it for a little bit uh you know back in the back in the day i'll say like uh before we started playing doing this podcast you i played it at your house and was like oh this is a pretty cool game i dig the music i i started listening to the band then we went to milwaukee for the um for the midwest gaming classic and we actually met jordan and he took us to vanguard which is one of the places (laughs) in the game uh which is an amazing restaurant by the way if you're ever in milwaukee go to vanguard holy cow excellent sausages excellent but then I came back and I started playing it again for for the actual podcast. And when I got to Vanguard, I was like, holy crap, this looks exactly like it looks <laughs> like a top down uh, inside the restaurant. And it made me like kind of upset that we didn't go to more places in the game because I, I would have loved to have been able to compare and see how how accurate he got to it. But I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty damn accurate because Vanguard was right on the money. Yeah, I noticed we we drove by quite a few places. Uh, I think it, I think it's. Uh... What's the, is it is it Bayview? Is that the name of the 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 area? But yeah, we like drove by Cactus Club and some other places that are in the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the it, it, the sequel actually does a little bit more of that. So we'll talk about the sequel here. Um, he actually made another game called um, uh, Space Raft Arcade, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But it's sort of a remixed version of this game that really leans into the arcade kind of aspect. But it is it is very Milwaukee and. Um, very as a as a tourist to Milwaukee, I, I it did include a lot of things that I I recognized. Yeah. So yeah, as far as describing the game, it, it, as we talked about, you've you've got these three different genres in the overhead. Also, I, we should note this is very important. You play as the entire band. So there's four different characters that you cycle through. They each have different abilities and hit points. So you've got Jordan, who is yellow, and he shoots flames. Like the uh, like the candles in Legend of Zelda, it took me a little while to realize that. But uh, yeah, it they are exactly like the 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 flames in Legend of Zelda. So you can burn stuff with them and also attack enemies. You know what I figured out last night while I was playing the arcade version, which it may not be this way in the original, but when he shoots the flames, it goes through multiple things. Like I was able to pop and oh, right. destroy like multiple LPs with one flame. Yes, that was really yeah, cool. that was useful. Useful. Yeah. Um, so he has two hit points. You have Tyler who is in green and he has bombs. They're just like the Zelda bombs. He has two hit points. Uh, TJ is red and he has a bowling ball, which is <laughs> great because he has some distance and it's fast. Yeah, it's fast. And it's basically, he's the distance weapon. So the, the downside is he only has one hit point, which was a real pain in the ass, like in the casino, because <laughs> I kept <laughs> getting killed and booted back out to the front door. 
And then you have John, who is slower than the other characters, but he has three hit points. And his uh, his weapon is that he just punches stuff. And it's it's very powerful, but it's very short range. You know, there was a certain boss that I couldn't beat. I don't remember which one it was, but I tried all uh, everybody except for John. And finally, I was like, I just kept hitting him with bowling balls and flames and he just wasn't dying. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to punch him. And I switched over to him and walked up one power punch and I killed the boss. (laughs) It's pretty, pretty awesome. That's a that's a pretty strong punch. Yeah, I do like how the because the characters have different abilities, I do like how you you do kind of learn to use them in different situations. So how do we how do we play this game? I played it, so I have the original cart on uh, NES. Uh, I also played it uh, the emulated version. Uh, Bart, I, you played the emulated version as well. I did, and right. I also you and I both got got to actually play the arcade version at um, on the arcade cabinet, which was really cool. We did. Yeah, so the the arcade version, we'll get to that, was made specifically to be played on an arcade cabinet, which we got to see at Midwest Gaming Classic. As far as I know, there is only one of these things in existence, and you can only play it at X-Ray Arcade in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But we did get to play that one. But we also got the ROM, and I don't know if that game is is publicly available yet. But yeah, we are going to talk about it here in a little bit. Uh, So yeah, as far as the Space Raft, the game... Uh, what did you, so what do you think works about it? What'd you like? I liked the, the whimsy of it. You know what I mean? Like I really right. liked the, there's a lot of interstitials where a bunch of people talk and I really liked that. Cause it just gave it a, a sort of a, it was, it was stakes, but low stakes, you know, and it was fun. I, that's, that's the stuff that I liked is talking to everybody and like, people kind of I, I don't know if it was in jokes or what but you know it just felt like a, a bunch of friends giving shit to each other via a video game which i thought was right pretty awesome um as far as the actual gameplay aspect i really enjoyed the uh the driving section i don't know something about driving an old white van and like going over ramps and <laughs> just i just can picture the uh what it would really look like in my head. And it just was really fun. <laughs> you know, I kind of wish there was a sound effect every time you ramped that van and every time it hit the ground, like, you know how right. sometimes when, like when we were kids, we'd watch the Dukes of Hazard, and you would see the general lead jump across a, like a river or something. And when it landed, yes. you, you, the total front end would crumple and the tires would go to the side, but then it would cut to the general lead, just taken off like perfect. You know, it was just, sure. I just imagine that with that van, just like, by the time you get and they get to where they're going, it just falls apart like the Blues Brothers car, you know? Yeah, I think the, the van is kind of a, a perfect example to me of kind of the overall silliness of the game. Because, yeah, yeah. I mean, you in the so we should say in the side scrolling shooting uh, racing scenes, you are driving the, the space raft van and it is just it is a big white utility van. Like, you know, it's a it's a pedo van. OK, <laughs> and you're you're just like driving it around. uh <laughs> You're driving around Milwaukee, you know, the state of Wisconsin, and, you know, you're uh, ramping concrete ramps that are just kind of like randomly placed in the street because why not? Because it's funny to watch <laughs> a big white utility van launch through the air, you know, and come down. I I, I I like the whimsy of that. But you're talking about how it it um, it it felt like um, inside jokes. I think the whole game is like one big inside joke, you know, and I, I think my enjoyment of the game came from trying to get used to somebody else's um, circle of friends. You know, I I felt like I was hanging out with somebody else's friends and kind of listening to their jokes. Yes. 
EC Myers had a good good description of this in the uh, Discord, and he said it it feels like a licensed game. Okay, you know this is the game that like the Wayne's World NES game should have been. Yes, because I really did feel like I felt like a, it was like a movie. I felt like it was a really silly, fun movie, like Wayne's World or or Blues Brothers. You talked about that. I it reminded me so much of Blues Brothers because like. You, you'll be playing it and just kind of randomly in the middle of things, they'll cut to a flashback. Like, hey, you remember that time we went to Italy? Oh, yeah, that was fun. You know, the next thing you know, you're in Italy. And it's like, hey, Space Raft, welcome to Italy. What do you do in Italy? Nothing. You just cut back to Wisconsin. And right. you're like, yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. You know, hey, you guys remember that time that we played the Bernie Sanders rally? And, you know, and then there you are. And there's Space Raft playing in front of a big American flag. It's uh, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's Bernie Sanders. And there's a part where uh, Aaron Rodgers is in there because you <laughs> my favorite part of the game, you you go to uh, Green Bay and uh, you go to Lambeau Field and you you meet the Green Bay Packers. It's like uh, you go to Milwaukee and meet Alice Cooper. Right. Wasn't that the whole uh, that's Wayne's World, That's right. <laughs> you know. But uh, but yeah, it was just it was just uh, kind of ridiculous. The whole game is just kind of ridiculous. And because it's because it's not taking itself seriously, I think it's easier to to get into it as an outsider. You know, I think maybe that's the problem with all those old licensed NES games is that they they were trying to take themselves too seriously. It, 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 there's just something just inherently ridiculous about this game that I, I think it's just really fun to vibe with. I agree. I mean, it's it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, you know, uh, when you get right down to it, the game itself is there's there's so much whimsicality and inside jokes and you know the cut scenes and stuff like that that even though it's not the most polished game in the world it is a whole lot of fun yeah you know what else it reminded me of hmm. uh like you you ever watch those Hanna barbera cartoons like you know you come home from school in the afternoon when you're like you know i don't know seven or eight and you're just watching crap on tv like whatever the hell's on and mm-hmm. You know, there'll be like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon from the 70s, you know, and it'll be Josie like, and the Pussycats. Yeah, like Josie, but they're like knockoffs of Josie and the Pussycats. You right. know, it's like, what was the one where the, uh, there was a band, but they were underwater and the drummer was a shark? Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw. You know, it's just like, you know, they would go on all these goofy adventures and, yeah. and just in the middle of the show, they'd just have a music break where they'd all be like playing a concert. That's right. You know, just, just because. Just for because, some reason, yeah. Jabberjaw sounded like Curly from the Three Stooges. I, it's for some reason, yeah, so weird, yeah. But you know, I mean, that, those I never watched those shows. I, did those shows like have like hardcore fans? They couldn't possibly like who the hell's like that into Jabberjaw? I don't but, know. I liked it. I liked, I liked that. I liked it, Captain but, uh, Caveman. All those. Oh my god, Captain Caveman. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So I this game reminded me of uh, watching like Jabberjaw because I never I you know I didn't. You never knew like who the bad guys were or anything like that. You didn't really know what the relationships were between the characters, but you could kind of pick up on it. You're just watching random episodes, you know? It's like, okay, I get it. You have recurring bad guys, and uh, you just kind of know that's a recurring bad guy. You you know, you don't have to have it told to you. It's true. And also, it felt very Scooby-Doo, too, just just from the Scooby-Doo. aspect of well, because four of dudes van. in a van right. driving around trying to, you know, find their old, someone who used to be their old friend who's now evil. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Right. At least I didn't like Evil. unmask him at the end. You know, you, you just said that. And I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you about your, cause you were going to do like a, a commercial for this game. Yeah. Or like, yeah. A, like a trailer for this game. Oh, uh, I wanted to so yeah. bad. Yeah. Can you describe this? 
because I I thought this was a this would be a real work of art. I would love to see this. Okay, so here's here's what I had in my head is like the camera uh, is is at a wide shot looking down an alley, right? And it's got trash cans right. and dumpsters on either side, and all of a sudden the van comes careening da- around the corner and just comes coming right towards the the camera. Oh, really I thought it was going to emerge from like emerge from like like a fog or something. You know, we could do the fog if we had a little more of a budget. But I'm going for what I could actually go up there and <laughs> shoot in one afternoon, and I could shoot this. So, all right. So let's say, yeah, like the opening of the Jackass the movie, how the giant shopping cart comes through the fog. All right, let's say that there's a big wall of fog at the end of this alleyway, and the van yes. comes just barreling through the wall of fog and breaks the clouds, and there you've got. Jordan hanging his head out one of the windows and you know, the rest of the bandmates, like what the driver's driving, like Ace Ventura, the guy in the front seats got his head out and they're like fist pumping and we're in slow motion. Everything is super slow mo. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see the, the, the side door slides open and Jordan leans out and he's looking at something very intently and he leans down. It's like, he's going to scoop something up off the ground. Then we cut to a shot of a chicken sandwich on the ground and a hand comes through, right. grabs the of chicken course. sandwich. You see the, the wheels just spin and the van takes off again. And then it Hell cuts yes. to like all four band members eating chicken sandwiches. And it just says space raft. Was it going to, so was it, was it going to, as they pick up, as they pick up the sandwich, wasn't it going to cut and you'd see like a whole line of chicken sandwiches along the street? Didn't you have that in there at some point? <laughs> no, I think what we had talked about was cutting from that to a whole pile of chicken sandwiches on a turntable that turned around and the oh, space right, raft, right. And there's the the space game. raft cart- cartridges <laughs> in the pile of chicken sandwiches. <laughs> it's revealed behind the... <laughs> yeah. If yes. anybody wants to see this, just send us like $5,000 and we'll make it happen. <laughs> Either we could do that with the sandwiches. We could do that for, with the game. We could do shoot that on the uh, on the turntable. I could right? probably go buy how much does forty sandwiches, chicken sandwiches, cost from Popeyes? That's like one hundred and sixty dollars, maybe. <laughs> What's our budget for this? What's our chicken sandwich budget for this podcast? Yeah, well, right. you know, if you're going to do a space raft anything on video, you got to have a significant chicken sandwich budget. Yeah, I, maybe could could we just do like one gigantic chicken sandwich? Can we just yep. get a whole bunch of chicken and fry it into a giant sandwich? Or I could just shoot it on green and we could superimpose it. Oh, it, yeah. We could make it whatever okay. size we want. Oh, my God. I don't know. And now you got me wanting to go now, shoot this. Damn it. But we don't have the giant. The giant sandwiches don't show up until the arcade remix. Yeah, oh, that's true. That. Right, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, okay. So what else works? So, yeah. Uh, plays like Jabberjaw. Great. Uh, the music is a huge high point. I mean, the music is fantastic. You know, I, that should not be surprising. But Oh, my God, the music, the, dude. You said, I remember this, before we even started playing the game, you're like, oh, check this uh, check this album out. This is, like, from a game, and I have the album, and I love the music so much that I bought the album on vinyl, and then you started letting me listen to it. And I was like, oh, damn, this is really good. And like on the drive home, I listened to that album on, I think it's on Apple yeah. Music. And I kind of fell in love with it. And, like, it's funny how the music in the in the game is just what is it just eight eight bit remixes of the music from yes. positively space raft right it's yeah so he so put good. out a new it, the, all of this is on bandcamp you can find the the space raft bandcamp page you um so they have the original album is positively space raft 
the 8-bit adaptation is approximately space raft and it is a really cool experiment if you're interested in chiptune oh yeah i think it's cool it would be a, a really kind of informative thing to do to go listen to the original album and then listen to the 8-bit adaptation because you know you th- you you can hear the different kind of compromises that had to be made and the mm-hmm. stuff they could keep and the stuff they had to cut out and you know for a first time nes game this has got to have just a well, like, got to be one of the best soundtracks oh, in uh yeah in in the whole home NES homebrew scene. Like to to have this be like a first a first homebrew game, just a, just a soundtrack of this quality. Back when you were talking about what what the best parts of the game were, I didn't even mention the soundtrack because I figured we'd talk about it in its own section like we're doing right now. But honestly, for a, a first time game, it being as long as it is, and you know, if it hadn't had such a phenomenal soundtrack i probably would have given up on it a lot earlier um and not finished the game not finished the game but like really just that soundtrack is so good and the music is so good that i didn't mind some of the repetitiveness that we you know we'll probably get into here in a minute but there's there are a few right. repetitive parts but um man i just love listening to the soundtrack i even listen to the approximately space raft album chiptune versions uh sometimes when i'm in the car too Right. Well, let's talk about that. So I, you know, I felt like, generally speaking, the pacing of the game is pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, you do a lot, you do the arcade shooty stuff, and then you do the collect-a-thon stuff, and then you do the, the shooting stuff, and then you do the collect-a-thon stuff. You kind of go back and forth. And I, I did feel like that was starting to get a little old. And then, boom, the next thing you know, you're you're in the park, mm-hmm. right? And it's a different style of game suddenly you've got this kind of zelda influenced uh adventure area i do like that it switches it up like that you're right it is i played through it last night like the entire game start to finish again and i do think the game is a bit long mm-hmm. well <laughs> you know setting. that that might be part of the reason why i i quit whenever he goes oh i lost my keys again because you know it had been well shoot that's a collect, good shoot, place. collect shoot collect and i thought right oh we got this big map and then they're gonna make you do another big map right after that i was like oh god yeah you know yeah and i i think that's a good place to kind of like pause the game and put it down you know mm-hmm. uh, which you can't do on the cart but i mean you know if you're playing with save states you can you can pause it there yeah but yeah i i think that uh generally speaking i think the game is well paced do you think the game is hard? No. Oh no, I thought it was um it was pretty pretty easy. Uh cuz you know, there's it's it's pretty straightforward. I mean, if you had asked me if the game was hard when I was looking for those damn keys, I would have been like this is fucking impossible. What the hell is going on? <laughs> but uh you know, looking back on it, no, I don't I don't think it's hard. It's um it's just a, it's a little repetitive, but you know, it's not like you're going to die all the time you know i mean i died quite a few times but i wouldn't say it's as hard as some games i think it's challenging up until a certain point because yeah i found a couple of places in the last maybe um i want to say the last half of the game where you can actually grind for lives yeah so if you pick up the the vinyl records you get an extra life and so those are really valuable to grab when you're when you're in the van sequences because they're they're usually just scattered around on the road and they can be in hard to get areas but they're always good to pick up. And so I always try to get those. But after you get to I think it's the casino stage is the first place where you can really grind for lives. And I you know you you really should because up until mm-hmm. that point like the game 
the game can be a little challenging if you're sloppy. You know, if you're just if you're just uh, goofing around and playing through it. Like I, I said, I played through it again last night. I mean, I was I. There were a couple parts where I was uh, goofing around. I was trying to find secret doors and stuff. You know, I didn't know if there was anything like that. So I was I was actually taking uh, the the bombs and I was just bombing like every single wall. Yeah, because I was trying to find uh, secret rooms, and because I I was taking my time like that, I I kept getting hit, and I I realized I was actually losing lives, and I was down to like two lives left. And if you if you lose all your lives, it will boot you out of the game. Like you will have to start over from the beginning, and it's a pretty long game, as we said. Yeah. And so I yeah I was like oh shit you know got to put a save state here. But after that, I played really carefully until I got to the place where I could grind for lives, and then I you know I I got like 50 one-ups and then i was you know yeah, it wasn't I, a problem anymore i did so. the same thing uh not grinding for lives but like looking for secrets and stuff once i figured right. out that you could burn multiple things with the flame i just started going through and clearing out every room before i would leave and this might have been on the arcade version i can't remember if it's the arcade version or the regular version but i i would i cleared out every single room um but there were some t- some points where like there's a few enemies in the room and like there's like stanchions that you have to walk through in the more maze-like sections. And right. some of the horizontal, like going from a vertical movement to a horizontal movement, it's almost like you had to be pixel perfect to go down the aisle. Yeah, and like, I did get stuck a few times like that, like you're talking about. Yeah. Right. That's and like, if you get stuck like that, it's it's easy to get hit. That's where I'd you say know? it would be a little difficult. But that, that might just be, I don't even know if that's, would that be considered a bug or would, I don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, but I did run into that a few times. So, I mean, I guess we can get into this. Do we, do we have any kind of criticisms of the game? I, I would say that's one of them is that it does have some rough edges like that. Yeah. You know? But for being a first game, I'm willing to look, overlook all of it, you know? Sure, sure. It's, well, I, and I want to, I mean, any criticisms that we have are going to be outweighed by the, the fun that we had playing the game. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, um, I, so I would say as far as like looking for secret stuff, I didn't find a lot. I, I mean, I felt like I bombed the shit out of this game, and yeah. I did not find a whole lot. I didn't either. I did feel like I I um I found some stuff in like the park mm-hmm. because there's there's so many like underground passageways. Yeah, but I rarely like kind of got anything out of it. Like you just you collect sandwiches or something, you know, and it runs up your score. But there's not a whole lot of motivation to find uh, the secret stuff unless you know it's like a joke room or something like that, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would have liked to see a little bit more uh, secrets, you know, because I would have felt like it was worth worth experimenting, especially in the the adventure sections. Yeah. So I would say one criticism that I have of the game, I think the adventure sections maybe don't totally work for me. I, I thought they were like they like as I said, they they really lean on the maze aspect. When I was playing last night, I got stuck in the casino. Okay. And you can go down a long path where you you kind of think it's the right direction, but it turns out it's the wrong way and it will boot you back out about halfway through the casino. And it's like, Oh shit, I'm all the way back here. And you really got nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't get power ups in this game or, or anything like that other than the extra lives. And so, um, well, I guess you get coffee, but the coffee doesn't last very long. You know, it, you, you can't like take it with you or anything, but yeah, I would say that was, that was I felt like where the game kind of dragged a little bit was in the adventure sections. I, I felt like um, I felt like there wasn't a lot of point to them. I felt like I was just kind of uh, wandering around and and kind of got lost. And it's like the only fetch quest in the whole game. What you know? you're talking about the keys? Yeah, just go get my keys, and then it's like right. You're in the biggest part, biggest section of the game, and yeah, you, it just it felt a little overlong to me. 
Well, and I felt at least the park you have, I felt like I had some agency in the park. Like I, I was exploring, you know, it had that exploration access True. aspect. The other big adventure section is the casino. And I, I just thought the casino was like on my second playthrough. I was just like, Oh God, the casino. Cause it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just long and it's just it's huge. You just have to slog through it. Yeah. And yeah, you get to the, did you, you know, when you pick up, they keep telling you put it all on red. Yep. Did you, did you, no, did I went straight black? to red. No, I went to red because I didn't. I figured if they went to black, it'd be a, they'd be trolling you and be like, "Hey, you got to go back to the beginning again" or something. I was like, "Nope." At this point, I made it through the the big giant long casino. I'm putting that motherfucker on red and getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna tell you, don't pick black. What happens? <laughs> exactly what you said. Really? Oh, <laughs> yes, man, you die. God. You just it just immediately kills you. Yeah. So I well, that's what I was like. Okay, they keep telling me to pick red. Maybe I should pick black. You know, okay. maybe that's the troll because the, the game would do that. You well, know? that's true. Cuts to Wesley Snipes. <laughs> Always bet on black. And then, yeah, you, you yeah, die. No, you're dying. Yeah, you're dead. Um, And then I would say the last thing I have to say is, as far as criticisms is that there are a couple of bugs. That, so I've noticed this in a few Nestmaker games. It, this is in Doodle World 2. If you not not Doodle World, the the sequel, Doodle World, the original. Doodle World uh, also. But, Doodle World. I think it's redrawn is what he's going to call it, but uh, that's not out yet. No, I found that in the in the van sections, some of the sandwiches, when you're trying to pick them up, you'll drive over them and they don't register that you pick them up. I like noticed it, that. It, yeah, it treats them as like a background tile or something. Yep. And I saw that happen a lot. And I think it actually happened more in the arcade version. And I didn't really mind it. It's not like a big deal. But sometimes you, you know, if you're getting really into picking up those sandwiches, you can put yourself into kind of a precarious situation. And it's like, oh, shit. I, you know, it didn't even register that I picked it up. Right. Know? So that was, is a minor annoyance. But I do think that's a Nestmaker thing. I, I don't, I, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to be willing to blame that on Nestmaker. Sweet. But. So I tell you what, we're going to take a little music break here. <gasps> We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Space Raft Arcade, which is the remixed version of Space Raft that we got to play in Milwaukee on the arcade machine. So please enjoy some music from Space Raft. A B D O S N thirty bro. A B D O S N thirty bro. No, that's a that's a D O S N thirty bro. A B D O S N thirty bro. Okay. Uh, space raft. Here we go. Space raft. Music break. Uh, go.
See, now I you said do. I always say do because I feel like it's Nintendo. I know. Well, that's what everybody. Yeah, is it do or do? I think. It's I mean, do. so I put this. I think it's I put do. the question on my Twitter, and I, it was uh, two thirds of people think it's eight uh, bit eight bit do. Yeah, just because it's Nintendo eight bit do. That's what I think. Well, I, I that makes sense. But I when I was looking at it, when you read it, it just says eight bit do. That's what it looks like. Eight bit do. You know. Right. So no, that was uh what, what do it do? What do it do? No, that so that was uh that, that little bit of music there. We, we had a, a long discussion about this a while ago in, in the Discord and so uh our uh Discord fan uh Tree Rosmos wrote us a, a little rap about it. So but I love it. Okay, so we're back. We're going to talk about Space Raft Arcade now. So Space Raft Arcade is a sort of remixed version of Space Raft. It is also an NES game. Uh, so we, we Bart and I actually got to play the, the ROM, and it's just an NES ROM. But it is a remixed version of the game meant to play on an arcade machine. So as I said earlier in the episode, uh, as of this recording, it's only publicly available at X-Ray Arcade in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But uh, I think that might change soon. I might be coming out uh, when when the game is released on the Switch. But it has very similar gameplay. Uh, I would say some of the differences are the game has been tweaked to run on an arcade cabinet. So if you think about, you can't just let it run continually. You've you, you, because you want people to put uh, coin, you know, quarters in. So there's a timer now. So in every area, you have a, a timer ticking down. Your uh, your health bar also ticks down, and so you need to pick up sandwiches to keep your your health up. It's kind of like in um, what is it, Adventure Island? You know, uh, have you played that game? Long time ago. Uh, your your health bar in that uh, just kind of steadily goes down, and so you have to keep eating fruit in that game. So it's kind of kind of like with the the sandwiches here. So I really like that because it felt like there was a point to the sandwiches other than just like amassing points. Right. Yeah, and the sandwiches have some utility. And it also, if you get hit, you can run around and pick up sandwiches again to get your health back. Yeah. Which I, I really missed in the original game. So Because if you get hit in the original game, you're you're just screwed. You know, uh, There's no way to get your health back up, uh, except to get to the next section. The game, this one is, it's a lot shorter. So I tried to see how fast I could beat it. You have the, the shooting sections with the van, the driving sections. And then you have the collectathon sections, and all of the adventure stuff has been cut out. So everything that I, I thought kind of dragged in the first game has been has been cut out. And because all that stuff is out, the game is now much shorter. There's a there's three full stages. Each stage is divided into two sections. It's the the driving, and then you have an overhead collectathon. The collectathon sections tend to be a little bit longer, and each each section, driving and overhead has a boss fight. And I really enjoyed that because the original game only had one boss fight. I think it was the key after you pick up the key where you're you're in the overhead sequence and you're actually fighting a boss. Well, I felt like the some of the driving stuff were were boss, you know, like you'd come up on their old band member in a in a van like shooting back at you while you're driving and following them. Do you not call that a boss fight? I don't know. No, that's a boss fight. It's like a oh, it's okay. a, you know, but those are the boss fights of the um uh, the driving sequence. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, did you say there was a, there's one, it's like, it was a black, it's your van. It's oh. the space rat van, but it's black and it's got like it a like the A-team. It. <laughs> it looked like the A-team van. Oh, the A-team. I thought it was like a Star Wars. Yeah. Like this is Sith Raft. <laughs> Sith Raft. 
least I would I would bet money that it's supposed to be the A team band, but then oh again, yeah probably you know at least that's that was know. my just, first impression because you know there's there's other pop culture references from that time period as well sure, yeah, since you fight I'm the sure bronze fawns that was so you do cool. fight bronze fawns <laughs> that's that was my, awesome that's my favorite part of the game right yeah yep yeah you yeah so no. they yeah I I really like the boss sections I. Um, this one is, it has all new locations. So you're different parts of Milwaukee. I think it's more like you go to the Milwaukee art museum. I really I enjoyed that. that. that my, yes. Yeah, favorite part of the game. Yeah. It, it has like a proper final boss. And I, I did really enjoy that final boss section. So you, you, you have to blow up a time machine. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I thought this remix works really well and I thought it was pretty fun to play. Uh, it's, it feels a lot more breezy. It didn't have any, uh, kind of draggy parts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so great, but I would like to try to see how quickly I could beat it because in some of those collectathons, you don't have to collect everything. You can just go straight to the exit, which was kind of well, cool. That's what I did. Yeah. My second time through, I wanted to see if you could just, if you could just torch through the game by not collecting anything and you totally can. So you, yeah, I beat the game. When I when I just ran through as fast as I could, I beat it in uh, I think just under twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, pretty breezy. It has a few more I think um, kind of bonus rooms, you know, uh, where you're um, like you can pick up. You might see like a ham over in the corner. Well, if yeah. you can get to the ham, you have to like break some furniture, but you can get to the ham, and then you get to the ham room, and it just says ham, and it's all full of ham. It says ham in giant letters. Yeah. <laughs> And I did finally find a secret room in this one where I, I had to blow out a wall. Oh, yeah. And I I was in the first game. I was looking everywhere for some kind of secret room like that. And I never found one. I found one here. It's in the art museum. And I walk in and I was playing with my son. My son was sitting there watching me play, who is seven. Okay. And I walk in to the secret room and it's bongs. It's everywhere. There are bongs in the shape of a giant bong on the floor. Okay. Okay. And it says bong instead of exit at the top of the screen. Nice. And my son is like bong. <laughs> what is that? And I was like, I don't know. Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is. I, I don't know. Something silly. Who knows? It's the sound you know, it makes you, when you drop all those flower bases. Yeah. And then you pick everything up and you exit the room and one of the band members pops up and he just says chicken bong 69. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, and my son just read all that out loud, <laughs> and we were just sitting there awkwardly in the in the silence afterwards. And he goes, "What does that mean?" And I'm like, "I don't know." So yeah, that was oh, fun. Oh man, but you really do Space know. Rate. Do I though? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't I knew know. you in high school. <laughs> I knew myself in high school. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Oh man. Um. Anyway. Yeah. So. So the game is very score focused. It's not as laid back aside from the bongs. Uh, but I did kind of miss the adventure elements sometimes. I didn't. But as I said, they were they were the kind of slowest part of the game. So I, I didn't really feel like it. the game missed a lot by cutting them out. So. I liked the arcade version. I, I, I would even go so far as to say I like the arcade version better than the NES better. version. Yeah. yeah. It was just more fun overall for me because it was, I liked the addition of the sandwiches as utility and like the health bar and all of that. That was just, it was great. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Well, I know we talked to, uh, we talked to Jordan about this in Milwaukee and he, he thinks that this game's a lot tighter. It's, he knows what he's doing now with programming a little bit better and, uh, he feels like this is the better game and yeah, 
So uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a little on the fence. I I do like the whimsy of the first one, but it is it, as I you know as we said, it does drag a little bit. I don't feel like this game has that problem. Yeah, I think it works pretty good as a kind of a, a companion to the original. Definitely. I hope it's going to be publicly available soon. I, I'm pretty sure that's the plan. Yeah, so. me too. I hope everybody listening to this can get a chance to play it. And if you don't, you know what? Just go to Milwaukee. Go to X-Ray Arcade. Pump a few quarters in. It's worth maybe it. Maybe I'll do a... Uh, yeah, maybe I'll do a... Um, put it on the YouTube channel or something like that. I'll do a playthrough. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Yeah. So I would say uh, first one, NES, uh, the, the first full NES game. A little rough around the edges, but ultimately a really good time. A lot of fun. Yep. Music is amazing. I loved uh, great music. The music, right? Yes. Yeah, arcade version. Uh, really, really cool to play as a uh, kind of a remix of the original. Also, really love the music, and there's new tracks, which was yeah, new great. Tracks, that's right. You know, I'd even talk about my favorite part of the the original game, which is the the final level where you so you go to Green Bay <laughs> and you go to Lambeau Field, and you're actually driving the space raft van across Lambeau Field, and you've got you're shooting Chicago Bears players. <laughs> and it, like the final boss of the game is is Sinry, and he's in the Chicago Bears end zone, and he's throwing footballs at you. I just, I just love that, because, you know, you've got the crowd in the background and everything. It just, it felt like the climax of some goofy-ass comedy movie, like a, like a Saturday Night Live comedy movie, like Wayne's World. Right. You know, it's like, that would be the pinnacle. You'd be driving through the stadium, you know, while everybody cheers. Okay. Well, Space Raft, everybody, go play it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Bart, what else have you been playing lately? You know, um, I've been playing a lot of Atari 7800 stuff. Um, <laughs> now, because have my, you? Did, did you get all your stuff to work? I did. So here's here's the thing. I bought the Atari 7800 off of Mercari, and the seller, we agreed to a price, and they created the label, and then it took nine days for them to put it in the mail and send it to me. But it finally got here last Friday. I got it. It's it's really tight, so I I need to like go in and probably clean it out a little bit because like pushing the cartridge in is I mean the fit the, the fit, fit the is just fit is really tight unbelievably huh. tight. Like I could I can't just pull the cartridge out. I have to like put my hand down on the cartridge and like pry it out. So huh. there's something going on there. I feel like I need to clean it. But all the games work. Uh, the controller that I have. Uh, I only have one controller, and the, the Atari 7800 controllers just suck so bad. They really do. Which awful. is why I uh, commissioned um, a different controller, and we had uh, someone on our uh, on our Discord server offered to mod an NES controller for me, uh, and hopefully that'll be here in the next couple of days. Uh, I cannot wait uh, to check that out. But I've been playing just because, you know, played a little bit of robotron and if you hold down the fire button you can walk around and it'll fire in the direction that you're firing which is fun but not as fun as it could be yeah <laughs> but i have been playing a lot of miss pac-man because i do love the port of miss pac-man for the 7800 it's it's 7800 is just this i can't believe i missed it you know because i think when the 5200 came out my Friends of mine, whenever I was a kid, they had one, and it just was awful, and the controller was terrible. That when the seventy eight hundred came out, the NES was already out, and I didn't even like pay attention to anything Atari at that time. Oh, sure, yeah. Which I wish I had because the seventy eight hundred is a great freaking console. It's like the the ports of some of these games are fantastic. Food Fight, amazing. <laughs> that is a lot of fun. Dig right. Dug. It almost looks exactly like the arcade, you know. And the same thing with yeah. Miss Pac Man. It's pretty damn close, and 
I don't know. I've been playing a lot of 7800. Now, granted, I only have, I think, six games, but and three of them are for the uh, the 2600. But still, I've been playing a lot of uh, Atari here recently. And also, the big game that I'm playing is Search for More Atari Stuff. <laughs> that is a game welcome to collecting oh dude (laughs) i'm online every day just looking at every single like let's go Uh, craigslist here craigslist in chicago craig you know it's just like where can i find uh, like the deal you know i'm looking for like the deal of the century like some idiots just like here i've got a whole box full of games i'll sell them to whoever wants it for 20 bucks you know like that kind of thing um haven't found that yet i did find a lot of uh nes games on I think offer up this morning that was like 17 NES games for 190 bucks. Um, mm. Very interesting, but they, they knew enough to post the pictures of the games front and back. Cause I was like, Oh my God, there's a punch out in there. I wonder if that's a five screw punch out. And then they, they flip the back of it. So they let you know, it's just yeah. a three screw, but um, you want to look at the top of the label too, because yeah. uh, it, they can look good front and back and then you get that top label and it's all screwed up, you know, and it's, it doesn't look good sitting on your shelf. That's true. Just, just, uh, just my, uh, experience. True. <laughs> well, I think if I, if I do start collecting that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, I'll get, I'll get into that at that point. <laughs> but yeah. for now, it's gonna uh, happen, um, man. it's going to happen. I know. So I was wondering what would, cause you, you've been kind of eyeing my collection now for years. Yeah. And I was just wondering what was going to finally break the seal. I did not expect it to be an Atari. Uh, yeah it makes sense but it makes sense knowing you like that's that's your uh that was your first uh kind of console experience as we talked about on the podcast yeah i had a 2600 whenever i was real little and when my uh, cousins lost interest in it i was one of the youngest of the cousins and my grandma was like why don't you take that home and i got to take it home and i was like oh my god i'm like out of the 13 cousins or however many in my family I felt so lucky to be the one that got to take it home because you know, everybody else was old, way older than us and they were, they were finished. And that was also right about the time that the NES came out. But you know, I, I, I got to take it home and I had it forever until my dumbass sold it in a yard sale <laughs> or something back in, you know, 2005 or six. But yeah, I mean, everybody was a dumbass with their stuff. Back yeah. Then. Like, ah, oh, this stuff is worthless. Who wants to play a, an, in nintendo entertainment system like seriously right when there's a playstation 2 come on yeah right toss this thing in the garbage yeah gross yeah which might be why i have so much shit uh in my basement right now (laughs) i just realized i was talking to a friend of mine about this not to sidetrack this conversation but i have a playstation 4 that i'm not using right now because i have a ps5 and it's the star wars darth vader version that has like darth vader's face decaled on the top And it's got wow. um, it's got a special Darth Vader themed uh, controller. And whenever I got it, I kept the box and I kept all of the like wrapping and the twist oh, ties and all that stuff. So I still have it. I could just I just need to like wipe it and I need to put it all back in the box and just slide the box back up on the shelf and just let it sit there for 15 years and then yeah. you know try selling it. Then well, I, you could probably get a good price for it right now. Yeah, maybe. You get a better price for it later, maybe. It's when you go to the go to the con- conventions or whatever, and you see somebody that has a complete NES deluxe set with Rob. Sure, you know it's like right. super super rare, but I don't know. I also have my box for my Switch and my Xbox and all that shit is just <laughs> sitting up there empty. I, I don't know what I'm thinking, but it's like I swung well, the I opposite think- direction, you know? Right. Well, see, the difference is like back then, like this stuff wasn't made to be collectible. 
True. was made to be like disposable technology. So you'd play it for a few years. And it was toys, you know, then you'd get rid of it. Whereas now it's like anything that comes out, there's there's some weirdo out there, you know, who bought like five of them and he's going to keep them in like, you know, um, an airtight room or some shit, you know, uh, under lock and key, with, you know, preserving them for uh, some future date when he can sell them for like some crazy amount of money that's never going to happen. So, so that, but the problem is, is that, you know, you got to sell the collectible stuff now and everybody kept it in perfect condition. So it's like, true. This is like with the baseball cards in the 90s. I got really into baseball cards in the mid 90s. So I bought all this collectible baseball card stuff and it's still in my mom's basement and it's worth like $10 each. Yeah. You know, because right. everybody got it and did the same thing. They all collected it, never opened that was, anything. So, right. Uh, did anybody ever make money on Beanie Babies? Yeah, I mean, Ty, the company that made them, they mm-hmm. made a lot of money. Oh, well, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy, he bought the four seasons. But like the people that were buying Beanie Babies, thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to buy 12 Beanie Babies and retire or whatever. You know, it's like that never, oh, I feel yeah, like that I never was a heard back of, then. Right. I never heard there, a word about anybody ever actually making money off of that. Well, there was a good book about that. It was called the the Great Beanie Baby Bubble, and uh, <laughs> it it kind of explored this this collector mentality and market bubbles through the the lens of Beanie Babies. And yeah. it's it's a, that's a really interesting book for anybody kind of interested in the dynamics of how that works. But yeah, right. That's why I never bought the NFT thing. <sighs> Same thing, exactly yeah. the same thing. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, but yeah. So I mean, any time that you have a bubble like that, some people do make a lot of money. It's just it's a game of hot potato, and you have True. to not be caught holding the potato. That's the game. Yeah, if if you end up with, you know, an entire room full of Beanie Babies, and you think you're going to retire on that, those people are the ones who have no money now, but they still have a, an entire room full of Beanie Babies. So, True. True. You know, twenty years later. Oh, I can't get rid of those. They're going to be worth money someday. No, no. I some people still hang on to that idea. Yeah, you yeah. can you can still find forums where it's like, oh my god, I've got like a super rare Princess Diana bear or some shit. Mm-hmm. Those things used to go for like ten thousand dollars. Now they're like a hundred. You know, so hundred thousand, awesome. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, well, I tell you what, I've been playing. Yeah. What? <laughs> Microsoft Flight Simulator. Oh, sounds amazing. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> So this is the thing, this is the story behind this. I mentioned this on Discord. This is I've been this is one solitaire. thing. Yeah, no, no, no. Let me tell you something. This is actually right. awesome. Let's okay, so I, I um, <laughs> this is one thing that's taken up a ton of my time lately. So it, my my grandfather, my grandfather's still around. He's in his nineties, and the guy is um, his whole life he was a workaholic. So he, he's the kind of guy he used to go into the office like seven days a week, you know, and he's always the first one there and the last one to leave, that kind of thing. And, and uh, when he wasn't when he wasn't working, he was flying. So he had a he uh, he started taking private private chartering like ch- pri- private planes for work because he had to fly around a lot. <laughs> uh, he worked in a lot of different states and things like that. So he started flying around a lot on private planes and he got so into it. He's like, I'm going to learn how to fly my own plane. And so he was, he was a pilot for like 30 years. So all he would ever do is work and fly and work and fly. And that's it. And occasionally he would sleep. But, um, so I, the guy is like in his nineties now and you, you know, the, the problem with being a workaholic is that eventually you get old and you can't work anymore. Right. You know, your body doesn't let you do it and you don't have any hobbies or anything like that because you didn't have a life outside of your work. And so now he's just really goddamn bored all the time. And he's, you know, he's, you can tell he's still, 
he's still a really energetic guy. You can see his, his brain's going. He wants to, he wants to move around. He wants to do stuff, but he, he just can't anymore. He's not physically able to do it. And so, um, I've been talking to him about this for a long time. I'm like, man, I, I wish you had like a flight simulator or something. Cause he used to have one like 20 years ago. He had the old Microsoft flight simulator with a little, a little monitor and a little, you know, a yoke and the throttle and everything. And it was, it was, um, on an old PC, like back in, I don't know, 2000 or something. And he's like, oh yeah, I really miss that. I, I wish I still had that. I would play it all the time. So for his birthday, what I decided to do, I reached out to the rest of my family and I was like, I want to make a flight simulator. I want to make it like just completely badass. I want to just go all in on it. Something that he can really just get lost in. And so I, my, I went to my whole extended family. I'm like, I, I need a budget for this. Like, and everybody's just like, go for it. Just go for it. Just go nuts. And so I did. So I got this like high-end gaming computer with a, a fucking crazy ass NVIDIA graphics card. I, I got, um, I went to the racing. So like flight simulator, people do not have cool equipment. It's the racing simulator people. Yeah. Like if you want a badass T like TV monitors stand, go to the racing sim people. Like they will hook you up. So I got in this huge like racing sim rig that I put three 43 inch TVs on. It's outrageous. <laughs> there, it's yeah. And I got this, uh, it's a seat it's made to, um, it's a, it's like a driving seat and it's, it has a, uh, a bar that comes around, uh, kind of like up and it, it's supposed to put the, um, the steering wheel, like in your lap, right. Where it would normally be. Sure. So I got that and I, I found, uh, some really cool, there's a company called Honeycomb that makes like a really authentic avionics for flight simulators. Nice. Like, and you, they're plug and play with stuff like Microsoft flight simulator. So I got these amazing this amazing yoke and this amazing like throttle. I mean, it, it looks so fucking realistic. And I put this all in this driving sim, uh, equipment with this, these giant TVs just like wrapping around your head practically. And it is like, I got it working. I finally got a flight simulator to stretch across these screens. And it's like, it's almost like VR. That's cool. You're almost like, yeah, I, I put a sound bar on it. There's a fucking subwoofer. I mean, like, it's nuts. It's nuts. It'll shake the whole room. And, you know, you got this airplane drone, like, you know. Sure. And it's it's like rattling the windows. It's so loud. Okay. But um, Microsoft Flight Simulator is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, I know it sounds like, oh, wow, solitaire. Yeah. Minesweeper. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, boy. No, that's like old school Flight Simulator. Now, they use... You, you've got to have the most high-end graphics card and they use satellite imagery to do like everything on the ground. Really? So, yeah. So like, it's, it's all like my friend tried it. He's a pilot and he flew by his own house, huh. right? Where, where his house would be like the rough approximation of his house, which was on the ground taken from these satellite photos. Right. Wow. And you know, you fly around like big cities, all the landmarks are there. All the buildings have the right corporate names on them. You know, all that shit. I, I flew through the arch a few times. That's stuff crazy. Like that, right. Yeah. I got to try this uh, out. <laughs> you totally do. I went to Paris and the Eiffel tower is there. I, and you know, I was in this tiny little plane and I flew under the, the Eiffel tower like three times and it's like, it feels totally real. So I was freaking out because, you know, I thought I was going to crash Oh yeah. and it's like, it is not. Yeah, you know, my son was in the room when I was trying this. My my younger son is only three, and he didn't like it because it was too real. You know, it was like scaring him. You know, because he thought we were going to crash the plane. 
But anyway, yeah, so I finally got to give my grandfather this thing. He walks into the room and he sits down. He's like, oh my God, he's just completely, like he couldn't even talk. He was just totally blown away by it. That's amazing. Yeah, you could see him reach for the controls. And like his hand, gra- he's, he's sitting and he's got his hands on the yoke. And he's, he's watching it. We're, we're taking off from our, our local airport, which he's taken off from like a thousand times, right? Sure. So he gets, he's up in the air and he's looking around and he's like, oh, I'm going too fast. And his hand reaches down and, and uh, grabs the throttle and, and takes down the airspeed without even like looking at it. <laughs> you know, like it, the muscle memory kicked in and there he is. And he's, he's just, you know, he's looking around and he's, I, I mean, it, it worked, man. It totally worked. That's awesome. Yeah. But now he's like super into it. So I, this is going to be, this is going to take up a lot of my time now is, is like helping him uh, learn how to use this thing, but that's now, okay because he's, now you can't get him out of the seat. Now I can't get him out of it. Yeah. yeah so this is good. This is going to take up the rest of my time. It's like teaching right. him how to use it. I just need to get him to use the tutorials, but yeah. So that's, that's my flight simulator journey. So it's, that's it's awesome. been a, it's been a tra- It took me like months to put all this crap together, but it was totally worth it. It was a lot of fun. So. Dude, I can't wait to check it out. That's uh, it seems really, really cool. Yeah, well, you know, you can play racing games on it, and they are super badass. So yeah, I, it, it, like it did actually cool work out to be a yeah. I you know, and I'm just using an Xbox controller, but I mean, I could get a get a driving uh you know get a steering wheel, put it on there, do it. So. Yeah, we'll see. All right, do we have anything else to talk about before we wrap it up here? I don't think so. Okay. So our next game for the Game Club pick is going to be Xeno Crisis for the Genesis and or Mega Drive. So where can you get that? You can get it all over the place. If you go to shop.bitmapbureau.com, you can get the ROM for Genesis. It is uh, 15 pounds, which works out as I'm recording to about 19 US dollars. You can also get a complete in box uh, cart and that comes with the download. This game has been ported to like every friggin' modern platform. So you can find it on Steam, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation. It's on the Dreamcast. You can play the Sega Dreamcast version if you want. It's on the Evercade. It is even on the friggin' Neo Geo MVS. Sweet. If you want to shell out for one of those cartridges, it is uh, the US dollar equivalent of about 375 bucks. Awesome. I'll play uh, it there. If you're going to go that route, please let me know because that's pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, it's also crazy. So. Uh, but yeah, so we are going to be playing this game on the Genesis and on the Switch. Uh, unless, are you going to get it for your PlayStation? Do you think? I might. I would really like to to come over and play two player with you. I want to go through yeah, it. Yeah, two player mode too. It, yeah. So this is a top down, twin stick. It's so hard. <laughs> kind of game. It is. It is hard as hell. It is an old school twin stick shooter. So it is. This is why we've been talking about Robotron a lot on this podcast. I was uh, trying to get Bart to play Robotron to kind of like work him up into uh, into this kind of like twin stick uh, vibe so we, these guys could play Xeno Crisis because you guys think Lizard is hard. This game is going to murder you. Like it is going to kick your ass. Oh, yeah. But, that's uh, why I haven't gotten it for my PlayStation because <laughs> I don't want to break my PlayStation controller. That's a Yeah, okay. I can see that. <laughs> right. But yeah, if you're going with the Genesis uh, or Mega Drive versions, you are going to need the six-button controller. Do not try to play this with the big chonky uh, three-button controller. It's not going to work. Uh, or it might work. There might be a way to do that, but boy, do not try that. That would suck. I wonder if that Eladdin controller would work on the Genesis with this. Well, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting because those Genesis yeah. controllers work on the on the Atari. 
Maybe have you plugged an Atari controller yeah. into the Genesis? I have not. That, hmm. that would be a fun experiment to do. Yeah. Yes, yes. Huh. All right. Well, I'm gonna, right. when we get off the podcast, I'm going to go try that. Sounds so. like there's money to be spent on my end. I think I might pull the trigger on one of those. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Time will oh tell. Oh, my God. If you get one, that's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. I, I have got to come over and try it out. All right. This has been the Homebrew Game Club podcast. You can find links to our Discord, back episodes of the show, or other social media at homebrewgameclub.com. Let me tell you, the Discord is the place to go. We have a different Discord channel up for every single game that we cover on this podcast. So uh, if you're going to play it, you want to play along with us, jump on the Discord and uh, let us know your experiences because we do do get a lot out of that. We're all pretty active on there too. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HB Game Club. If you like the show, please help us out by leaving us a review on iTunes or Spotify or by telling all your retro gaming friends about our podcast. That really helps us a lot. If you have comments or a suggestion for a game that you'd like to hear us talk about, shoot us a message uh, on social media or you can email us at homebrewgameclub at gmail.com. Our opening music is by Twee. You can find him on Twitter at TUI2A03, where you can also find a link to his SoundCloud. You can follow me, Nick, on Twitter, Instagram, or Video Game Sage at Divertov. That's D-V-E-R-T-O-V. Video Game Sage did fix their issue where you don't have to type in Video Game Sages. And in fact, now that they fixed that, you can't even go to Video Game Sages. So if anybody's like linked that or bookmarked it or whatever, it's like those links don't even work anymore. Hmm. Like they don't redirect. Nuts. Bart is on Instagram as clever username needed, no spaces. And Connor is on Twitter at C O N O R N A S H, also no spaces. Tune in next time to the Homebrew Game Club when we will be talking about Xeno Crisis. Thank you for listening. A B Do S N 30 Bro. A B Do S N 30 Bro. A B Do S N 30 Bro. A B Do S N 